What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. I can imagine Jacob comes to Leah and says, listen, Leah, I need you to meet me in the field tonight. I've got something incredibly important to tell you, but don't tell anyone. Leah, Jacob's wife, says, all right, I'll do that. Then later on, he goes to Rachel, whispers through the tent, Rachel, Rachel. Rachel's like, what? What is it? Don't turn around. Pretend you don't hear me. But listen, Rachel, you have got to meet me in the field tonight. I've got something incredibly important to tell you. Rachel's like, okay, I'll be there. Well, later that night, Leah and Rachel show up where Jacob is tending his flock. And, you know, to any observer, it's just Jacob talking to his two wives, but Jacob's talking to them, maybe in a low voice. He says, listen, we have got to leave. We have got to leave your dad Laban. We've got to leave soon. In fact, I would like to leave tomorrow and I want to sneak out and I do not want to tell him. Do I have your blessing to go? Now, what happened here, you know? I mean, I thought Jacob and Laban were sort of getting along. Well, the last time we left Jacob, right, he was working 14 years so he could get Rachel, right? He worked seven years at first because he thought he was going to marry Rachel. Well, then Laban... His slippery, sneaky uncle tricked him, and he ended up marrying Leah instead. Well, then he worked another seven years for the love of his life, Rachel, right? And he finally got her. But Laban this whole time has been a guy that Jacob can't really trust. He just can't trust him. But Jacob himself is a deceiver, but Laban, he is an uber deceiver. He is an uber slippery character way more deceptive than Jacob and Jacob is beginning to realize this well here's an example one way that he's deceptive is after working 14 years Jacob came to a point where he says hey Laban I'd like to build my own herd I'd like to make my own money you give me all the the speckled goats and all the speckled sheep and all the black lambs and, and give me out those out of all your flock, and, and I'll take those, and, and I'll make them into my own flock, and I'll prosper, and I'll be able to build my own flock from those speckled goats and the speckled sheep and the black lambs. Well, Laban's thinking in his head, what an idiot. Those are the most rare lambs and rare goats to get. Those are difficult to produce, and he's going to produce a whole flock out of that? That's insane, and he won't go anywhere with that. In fact, if that's his goal, he's going to be working for me for a very long time because he's not going to be able to produce a very big flock that way. So Laban, of course, says, all right, hey, that sounds like a great deal. Let's do it, and they shake hands. 
But Laban also knows that Jacob is a smart guy. And Laban also knows that things do well because of Jacob. It says there in Genesis 30 that Laban had found out through divination that his flocks, Laban's flocks, prospered because of Jacob. He found that out through divination. Now Laban, he didn't follow Yahweh. He didn't follow the God of Jacob and Isaac. He probably followed the God of his father, Nahor, and the God of Padanaram, and the gods of Haran. So in worshiping those little G-gods, probably demonic spirits, and worshiping them and asking them, they told him, this Yahweh, he's prospering Jacob. And Jacob is prospering. Therefore, you're prospering, Laban. It's nothing you do. And, and, and through divination, Laban was able to work this out. Now, I think these other little gods, right, were told by Yahweh what to say because Yahweh is the God of all gods, the mighty God who controls everything. And he wanted Laban to know that his prosperity comes through Jacob. So Laban knows this. And he does not want to lose Jacob, but he doesn't want to just give him everything. Yeah, he wants him to prosper a little bit with the goats, the speckled goats and the speckled sheep and the black lambs, but not too much. Because remember, he's Laban. He wants to come out on top. He doesn't want Jacob to leave. He just wants to keep him hanging on. So he says, all right, sure, you can have all those goats. You do that. But then on the side... Without Jacob knowing, he removes all the black sheep and all the speckled goats and all the speckled lambs. So the ones he takes out with him at the beginning, that's all he has. He has no more. And then he says, we're going to separate from each other three days journey between us. Because Laban wants to make sure the speckled goats and the spotted sheep and the black lambs that he gave to his sons and not Jacob like he should have. He wanted to make sure that the three days journey was separate enough so that none of those sheep or lambs or goats could come together and mate. And he wanted to make it as difficult as possible for Jacob's flock to prosper. Well, Jacob, number one, he's a smart man. But number two, the biggest thing of all, Yahweh has promised to take care of Jacob. Now, Jacob, from his perspective, he had a plan. And what he did is he took almond branches and he stripped the bark in strips. So he'd, he'd strip the bark and so it'd show the white interior of the stick. Then he'd keep the bark and it would look black and then he'd strip it again and so the white would show up and then he'd keep the bark and then he'd strip it right next to the bark. So basically he had, he had the white lines and black lines, white lines and black lines all over these sticks and he would put them in the feeding troughs of the goats and the sheep so when they came to mate they would be staring at these sticks of black and white colors. Now, 
Jacob thought that whatever these animals looked at while they were mating, that is the color of the baby that came out. So he thought, you know what, if I put speckled sticks in front of the sheep and the goat, they're going to produce speckled lambs and speckled baby goats. That's what they're going to produce. Now, we know that's not true today, but that's what he thought. But one thing he did do that made sense is he took the goats and the sheep that were strong and healthy and he tended to mate them together and he kept the weak ones away and he sort of kept them out of the breeding line. And we know today that that works scientifically. If you keep breeding strong animals, they're going to produce other strong animals. But Jacob did this and you know what? It worked. Putting these speckled sticks in the trough it produced the speckled goats and the speckled lambs and these are rare and he didn't need these other sheep to do it and these other goats to do it and and jacob from his perspective he thinks he's doing great he doesn't grasp it's not his genius with the speckled sticks with breeding the strong goats and the strong sheep no it's god god said you know what I'm going to make you prosper. And even if you use some goofy man-made technique and you think you're the one who did it, you didn't. Jacob, I am your God and I will protect you. Later on in Genesis 31, God comes to Jacob in a dream and he tells him that same thing. Jacob, I was the one who prospered you, not your grand idea. I was the one who made your flock increase. Please trust me, follow me. Well, Laban tried to deceive him. Laban tried to do as much as he could to not make his flock increase. But it didn't work, and Jacob's flock began to increase and get bigger and bigger. And for six years, he began to develop his flock. Well, Laban's sons and Laban himself began to despise the prosperity, began to not like what was happening. And Jacob's men and Laban's sons began to quarrel. And it says there in Genesis 31 that Jacob realized that Laban's heart was starting to turn against Jacob and that Laban's sons were starting to have a hardened attitude towards Jacob. And he realized, I need to get out of here. And to double that, God came to him in that same dream and said, yes, I'm the one who prospered you. But you know what? You've got to get out now. You have been here 20 years, Jacob. You need to get back to Isaac. You need to get back home. Do you understand, Jacob? This is Yahweh himself coming to Jacob and telling him, you've got to get out of town now and return home. So Jacob finds Leah and Rachel and says, hey, can we leave? Because he knows he's asking them a lot, right? To leave your family, to leave everything you know behind you and to just go. I mean, that's a lot to ask of them to leave their father. But Leah and Rachel know where their prosperity lays. And they know where their future lays. And it's not with their dad Laban who's worshipping these other gods. No, it's with Jacob who's worshipping Yahweh. And God is prospering. And they said to Jacob, we're following you, Jacob. Wherever you want to go, we're following you. 
So Jacob said, all right, tomorrow we are leaving. Now remember, there's a three-day journey between where Jacob lives and where Laban lives. They have a three-day head start, and they head out. Jacob leaves with his wives and his, and his kids, right? He has 11 boys right now and one daughter. Later on, he's going to have a 12th son. But when he leaves Padanaram and starts heading south back to his dad Isaac after 20 years of being separated, he's got 11 boys, one girl, and he is getting out with all his stuff, and he's wealthy, and he's prospered. Well, Laban eventually hears, Jacob and Leah and Rachel, they've gone, and he's taken all his flocks with him. And Laban's thinking, what? And then he goes to leave, and he, then he thinks, you know what, i got to make sure my inheritance is right. I've got to make sure that everything up here is okay. And maybe he goes to the tent to count all his money. And maybe he goes to another tent to make sure that his idols are all set up. Because back then you had household idols and you would worship these. Now remember, he doesn't worship Yahweh. He worships these other gods. But these household idols also served as a way to prove that you had the right to inherit certain things and that your family inheritance went in certain ways. And maybe before he went after and chased Jacob down, he began to check his idols and he noticed they were gone. He noticed the idols were missing. Somebody had stolen the idols. Well, Laban thought, you know what? Jacob is running. Jacob is getting out of town right now. You know who must have stolen those idols? It must have been Jacob. That's why he's running. Now he had another reason to catch up with Jacob. So Laban sets off with his army and his men and his workers. And they come around and finally they catch up with Jacob and they stop him. And I can imagine they surround him with Jacob and his family inside the ring. And Laban hops off. It took him days to catch up with Jacob and to stop him. On one of those days, God, Yahweh, came to him in a dream and said, Laban, listen, you do not harm Jacob. You don't do good or evil to him. Leave him alone. Do you understand? Well, Laban, he understands that God wants him to treat Jacob with kindness. This Yahweh wants him to treat Jacob with kindness because Yahweh protects him. He understands that, but... Laban's furious and, and he hops off and he goes, hey, Jacob, why did you leave without letting me know? Why did you just run away? I would have I would have let you go. I would have thrown a feast. Now, God told him to get out of town. Laban's just saying those things to try to appease Jacob. He wouldn't have been kind to him at all. But then Laban says, but... Number two, the reason I want to catch up with you is number one, because I feel bad I wasn't able to say goodbye. But number two, when I went to check my stuff, my household idols were stolen. You stole my idols. And Jacob looks at him and says, I didn't steal your idols. He's offended. He doesn't steal stuff. 
No way. In fact, Laban, you check everything I have. And whoever is holding your idols, if any of my party has them, he will be put to death. He should die. Well, the thing he doesn't realize, the thing he does not know at that point, is that Rachel had stolen her father's household idols. I think Rachel is a bit of a thorn in the side of Jacob. Yes, Jacob loves her. She's beautiful. She's the most beautiful woman in the region. And he worked so hard. And his, his heart is for her. But she sort of follows Yahweh. But she also is attached to the gods of her dad. She loves Jacob, sort of, but she's also a bit of a manipulator herself. She's had jealousy and strife with her sister Leah because Leah's been able to have six kids while Rachel's only been able to have one so far. And she's caused anger and strife. And she's thinking, if we're going back to Isaac, I'm going to take some of these idols with me because I want to show my dad and I want to prove to Laban if things don't work out down there with Isaac, if I have to go back, I can show him these things and say, hey, I have a right to some of the inheritance you have, dad. I have the right. Look, I've got these idols. And I think that's why she stole them to prove to her dad that she's still connected with him and also maybe to curry favor with those gods. Well, little does Jacob know that Rachel stole those idols. Well, Laban starts looking on all their saddle bags and he can't find it. He's pulling things out and then he comes to Rachel and he starts looking through her stuff and then he wants to look through her saddle bags. I can imagine Rachel's maybe up on a camel or a horse and she's sitting there and he says, all right, Rachel, hop down. I've got to check those saddlebags. And Rachel says, hey, I can't get off my horse. I can't get off these saddlebags. I can't hop down from this camel. Wherever she was sitting on this saddle, she goes, I can't, Dad, because it's my time of the month, and, and, and I can't get off. And it, it wouldn't be good for me to do that. No, it's my time of the month, and I, I can't do that, Dad. Laban looks at her. Laban looks at the saddle, and he's like, "Man, I hope you get better. Oh, it's, I'm so sorry you're a little sick there. Hey, it, I hope things go well." And he leaves. And little does Laban know that that's all a lie. That's all made up. Rachel had the idols under the saddle. Rachel was sitting on the very idols she stole. She made the whole story up. And Laban's probably thinking, man, I can't find him. And Rachel behind him is thinking, phew, that lie worked. I'm so glad that worked. Well, Laban, he can't find him at all. He has no clue where they are. And he looks like an absolute fool after accusing Jacob of stealing him. Well, now Jacob is livid. And he says, listen, Laban, I'm the one who's offended. I'm the one who's upset. I'm the one who deserves to vent my anger. And he then tells Laban, look, I worked for you for 20 years. 
I worked for you and you've tricked me over and over again. You tricked me about marrying Rachel. Instead, I end up marrying Leah. You, he says, ended up changing my salary at least 10 times. You promised to pay me this and then you paid me less. You promised to pay me this and then you paid me less. You changed my salary 10 times, Laban. You cannot be trusted. If anybody deserves to be angry, it is me. And I can imagine Laban looked at Jacob and Jacob looked at Laban and they were furious with each other. And they knew at that moment they couldn't work together anymore. And this was it. They were to be separated from each other. And Laban said, all right, listen, Jacob. I'm not going to strive with you anymore, and you're not going to fight with me. Let's separate, but let's at least be friends. And Jacob said, all right, let's be friends. But if we're going to be friends, we've got to have a clear border here. We've got to know where my land ends and your land begins. And so Jacob began to set up some stones as a pillar, as a marker, saying, hey, everything south of here is Jacob's. Everything north and east, that's where Laban's territory is. And so Laban and Jacob began to clearly mark out, this is the boundaries of Israel. This is the boundaries of Jacob. Jacob's land. See, now remember, the book of Genesis was written for the people of Israel as they're going back into the promised land. And Moses was trying to retell all the stories of how Israel came to be as a nation. And here he wanted to convey to those people, here are the borders of the land that you're about to inherit and why those borders exist. And then he also wanted to point out, hey, we don't intermarry with a group called the Arameans. And why is that? Because they're ancestors of Laban. And why don't we hang out with the ancestors of Laban? Because Laban and Jacob, our father, Jacob, the father of Israel, those two separated, those two fought. You can't trust Laban, and you can't trust his ancestors. And it's interesting, the Arameans ended up being a constant thorn in the side of Israel, constantly troubling them, constantly harassing them. And this story gave the readers a better understanding of the history and one of the reasons why. Well, Jacob and Laban separated, and they never saw each other hardly again. Jacob thought to himself, whew, as Laban rides away. And Rachel thought to herself, whew, I got away with stealing these idols. And Jacob, again, doesn't know anything about this, but he's thinking, all right, I'm following God. He promised to be my God. He, he promised to be my protector, and he did take care of me, and, and he has allowed me to prosper, and he told me to get out of town, and I did, and man, Laban nearly pulled me back in, but I'm glad to see him go. I am glad to see the back of Laban, and he turns south, and he thinks, yes, I now get to be see my dad Isaac again. This will be great. I get to see also my and then he paused. And then he thought, uh-oh. I get to see Isaac. <gasps> but you know who else I've got to deal with now? Somebody far scarier. 
somebody far more powerful than Laban ever was, Jacob realized he now has to deal with his brother Esau. And the last time that he spent any time with Esau, Esau wanted to kill him. And now he's returning home? What's going to happen? What about Esau? Well, if you come back next week, we're going to find out what happens between Jacob and Esau. But, man, the story this week, I just want to encourage you. Understand that God is a promise-keeping God. And if he's promised to take care of you as a Christian, we claim those promises every day. And, And Jacob needs to understand that he can believe God and trust him and realize at the end of the day, all his prosperity, all the good things come through Yahweh and he's worth following because he is a promise keeping God thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast if you have any questions or comments we would love to hear from you you can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.